So welcome everyone. My name is Brooke. Um, I am Taino. I'm a mother living in Matinecock territory in New York and I'm the host of First Foods classes and we have just some housekeeping items to review before we start. Uh, Maida, our interpreter, has some information for you so she's asked us to share some of this just so that we can understand how interpretation will go for the Zoom classes. So, um, so at the bottom they have a globe on your screen. You just click that and you can choose Spanish or English and it will either put you on the English channel or the Spanish channel. And uh, we're also gonna probably repeat this at the Q&A uh, if there are any questions or anything like that. And you'll be reminded at the Q&A also. But just again, there is a globe at the bottom. You click on it and it will be English or Spanish, and that will help you get to the channel you need. Okay, thank you, gracias. Uh, we do have a brief disclaimer to make as well. First Foods is for educational purposes only. Before using or ingesting any herb or plant for medicinal or culinary purposes, please consult with a physician, a medical herbalist, or a suitable professional. Okay, and so with the disclaimer and with the interpretation services being said, we just want to thank everybody back from our last one and just really are really happy to have Isaac here. And um, we just want to let everybody know that First Foods is made for Indigenous people and our allies who are ready for a new day for old ways. We'd like to thank our partner, Ibex Puppetry, for ongoing support as we build this program that makes critical language available from the culture bearers that hold the oldest language on this continent, something that many of us um, in this time desperately need. And I, I think that that's important because many First Nations, a lot of times when people think about indigenous culture, they're thinking about regalia or language, but when it comes to our food traditions, that relationship between us and our traditional territories has been for a millennia. So really without our knowledge, we really can't get back to where we need to with the original instructions and we can't really help push um, forward environmental efforts at all without the indigenous voice because our, our cultures literally were birthed by these lands. So I just wanted to thank everybody and, and welcome you guys back to the space and and that. Uh, so just some minor protocols to go over again. Desiree will be talking about some. Okay, um, so Mijuxis, my name is Desiree. I am a Miwok Two-Spirit living in occupied Arapaho territory. And I'm just going to do a share screen right now and bring you to the protocols that we've established for the group. So first, food sovereignty. First Peoples have the right to hunt, fish, forage, and harvest in their traditional territory. It is unacceptable to critique traditional or contemporary dietary styles as a non-native. So just speaking a little bit more on this issue, a lot of times native people are, are attacked, like either online or by, um, misguided activism that doesn't really understand that native food systems are not harmful. We do not practice industrial 
uh, farming, industrial hunting, or we don't have, you know, cattle uh, types of things. We very much are in commune with the community and with the environment that we've been around for sometimes up to 10,000 plus years. So we just have to be mindful that when you, that this is a learning space. So when you come here, you cannot, as a guest and as a settler, you cannot impose your views, especially when you aren't really familiar with the territories or the relationship we've had. So just being mindful of that, um, to not practice uh, settler, what's called settler um, veganism or white veganism or colonial veganism or any of those things here, those are not acceptable. And just being mindful that native people, even if we happen to have sometimes unhealthy habits, that's only for native people to be discussing with regards to anything with regard, it could be fry bread or commods. That's really our issues to deal with. Um, and so native people can be part of that discussion or create those discussions in this group, but non-natives cannot. The second is foraging and harvesting. Always seek permission from tribal communities to forage and harvest. These medicines or foods may be seasonal or being left to replenish themselves. Also respect if the answer is no. So again, towards sovereignty with regards to land rights, always ask, whose territory am I in? Do I have permission to gather? And if that's no, be prepared to be a good ally and practice anti-colonial solidarity and don't do it. A lot of our medicines we don't have access to because of over-harvesting, because of land grabs. So when we do have territories that our elders and our community members harvest from, it, it's pretty important that you respect that because you can literally wipe out an entire plant nation and spirit from a community. And we don't want to do that. We want to be respectful to our earth. We want to be respectful to indigenous people and follow the original instructions that our ancestors and our grandparents have given us to take care of these lands. Okay. The third is native knowledge. Lessons learned are not for non-natives to monetize on or repackage as their own. Native knowledge systems belong to the cultural communities they come from and to the guest, te guest teachers in our programming. Yes, so just really important, a lot of the knowledge that Native people have acquired, like I said, it's intergenerational. It has taken them a long journey to acquire. So one, you could harm yourself by applying it the wrong way. You can harm the environment, but most importantly, Native people a lot of times are used as novelty in education and institutional platforms. And because of that novelty, it's like a touch and go where people use Native people to monetize or to kind of create like a little nuance to their programming. And we just want people to know that these knowledge systems come from people and a people and they're part of their stories and it belongs to nobody else but the people that they come from and we have to respect that if we want to be you know anti-colonial and have that type of solidarity with first peoples it has to be about respect okay and finally land acknowledgement we recognize uphold and respect native nations and their lifeways above all else as the ruling governance of turtle island 
everyone attending this space must uphold the same. Yes, again, usually land acknowledgement um, is a statement that many first people have amongst each other when we visit another territory. There are lots of formalities that Native community has. So let's, for example, I'm visiting uh, my friend uh, Desiree, who she is Miwa. I might bring gifts and acknowledge, you know, thank you for, for allowing me to be in your territory and bring gifts and show compassion and show respect and acknowledge that I recognize that this is their territory in spite of colonialism, in spite of any of that, and, you know, honor, honor them for allowing me to be there. Um, the, the other thing about land acknowledgement is that it has to be more than a statement for settlers. The reason why I say that is because many, many times in many institutions and platforms and activist spaces, settlers will tokenize land acknowledgements and then that's as far as it goes. It's just a statement and it's not an action. It's not an ideology. They're not really getting in contact with the local territories or the tribal councils that are part of that governing system. And so if you want to be, you know, anti-colonial, and your solidarity towards indigenous people, you have to acknowledge the people that are traditionally from there. And we're talking about all of the Americas because all of us have been displaced in some ways and everyone, every non-indigenous person is on you know, occupied lands. Okay, so today we have First Foods with Isaac Murdoch. He's teaching on harvesting, foraging, and doing some storytelling. He's from Serpent River First Nation and is a fish clan Ojibwe. He's known for his history telling and land-based activities, spending many years on the land with his elders, which is his primary education and that he loves to share with everybody. So that's what he's here to do today. He has three beautiful children. So we'll let you take it away from here, Isaac. If there's anything you'd like to add or welcome to First Foods, thanks for coming. Thank you very much. Um, first off, I just wanna thank everybody for putting this together and having the amazing opportunity to be able to be uh, with you during such an important movement with our people. Um, I have my iPad like this and I don't know where to look and it's weird for me, so I don't know what to do. So I'll look all over the place. Um, I'll, start, I'll start off by introducing my own self. Uh, uh, my name is Isaac Murdoch. I'm from a place called Serpent River First Nation. And I'm the fish, I'm from the fish clan. And so the fish is the leader of our family. And I was raised in the forest. I was I was raised on the land in the bush, far away from anybody. And I'm gonna tell you a little bit about my childhood because it was during my childhood that I was able to understand. Um, many things that I would, you know, take into my later years. When I was a baby, my mother gave birth to me on the land. She, she was six months pregnant. And back in those days, 
our people had the babies in the forest. And she stood up and she held a tree and she made a nest on the bottom. And of course she, she gave some pushes and I came out. And then she hung up the afterbirth in the tree. And then she went down to the lake and she paddled away. And that's how I came to this world. When she looked back, there was a bear eating, eating the afterbirth. And so that's how we lived our lives on the land. We were one with the land. I remember when we used to go paddling for food. We would go paddling from lake to lake, river to river, swamp to swamp, always looking for food all the time. And during our journey, you know, my grandparents, they'd always say to me all the time, we have to go back to our old teachings if we're to survive here. And that we're only guests here. And so, you know, they often told me, they said, you know, we come from the stars. That's where we come from. And when we come lower down here through earth, we enter through four powers. We understand four powers before we come here as babies. The first power that we, we learn about is Akit, the earth. And then we learn about that power called Shkodeth, fire. Then we learn about that power called Nibe, water. And then the last one, Neswe, which is, which is the air. And as we come into this world, we go through our mother's sacred hoop and we end up on the sacred lodge here on earth. And we cast that sacred breath out into the world. And as children, we have those original instructions on how to live here on earth. And so as we live our lives here, we follow that those original instructions. You know, and the forest is such a beautiful place. And they always said the animals are to be the leaders of our government because they're the ones that will always hold those natural instructions. They will never stray away from them. And so as we lived our lives in the forest, we knew that we were only guests here and that the land was full of spirits and that this is their home. And we're only guests in their home. They'd always say, you know, the Banabe Kweak, they live over here. The mermaids, they have a den that goes down in the water and it, it lives there. And then they'd say, the Mimigwesiwak, this hairy little race of people live in those rocks there. And they'd say, the Pahisak, those tiny little gifted little people with air, that, that know how to shoot their arrows straight, they live over there. They would say that the, the Bagujaniniwak, another form of little people, lived in the rocks on the other side. The Nimki Benishiwak, the, the Thunderbirds, lived on top of those mountains, they'd say. And the forest was filled with all sorts of spirits, Bagok. They'd say there's a spirit named Bagok that lives out there. Jabayabus lives out there. They would say, you know, all sorts of Anwe lives out there. All these spirits live in the forest. And we're only guests as we live there. And of course, they talked about the spirits in the water. 
And as a child, I learned about this elaborate tunnel system. They'd say, there's an old, an old white serpent that lives at Ginnabagaming. And this old serpent, it travels down to Ginnabagzibing, this river. And it goes to the big lake. And it, it has a tunnel there. It has a cavern in that, in that mountain. And that we call that Mindigwayasin, the gift rock. And then that tunnel goes down again. And it comes up at a place called Ginnabagokshabigajwat, the place where the, the serpents are written on the rock. Then it goes down again. It comes up at a place called Ginnabagniashing, Serpent's Point. Then it goes down again. It comes up at Skodeing, Fire Island. And then it goes down. It comes up at Ginnabagokshibiajwat, the place where the serpents are stretched out on the rock. And then it goes to Boashkaying, the place where the, the wind blows in. Then it goes to Kwikwikzhuang, where the water comes in and out on the lake. Then it goes to Asiniswasaning, the rock nest. And then it goes, it keeps traveling. It goes to Ajdapkisaning, where the rocks are, are on top of each other. And Nadwe Gojing, it goes to the place where the the Mohawks are there. So in, in my childhood, I learned about this elaborate map of the underworld. And every one of those places that I talked about is a very sacred place to our people. Because on every single one of those places, that's where we find the Muslim the sacred pictographs, the pictures that are painted. Wherever those water spirits come up, that's where our people would fast. And they would fast there and petition them for good health, for safety during times of war, famine. Maybe there is a bad sickness. Our people would go there and petition those spirits, those water spirits for help. Each one of those places had a cave. And they would make the, those, those pictures with paint called onaman. And as a child, I learned how to make that paint. I was lucky. So in my mind, growing up, I was only a visitor and a guest in a magical world that was filled with life and, and spirits. Even in the forest, they always said, we're only to follow the animal trails. We can't lose our way and make our own trails. Everything that we need is on those trails. We'll find food there, medicine. We'll find life on those trails. And that those animals will lead us in this world here. And that we'll be okay as long as we, we follow them, we watch them, and that they become our leaders. And so as a child, my mind was always exploding with imagination because everywhere we went, we had to give offerings, which is called Begin Every time we go somewhere, oh, the Memeguesiwak, the little people live here. And we'd have to make offerings. We'd make ribbons and little sticks and we'd make little, little toys and we'd give them to them. All oh, the Thunderbirds live there. So we'd make offerings and give them there. Our whole life was giving everything to everything. The same way that a river gives everything to everything. 
the same way that the sun gives everything to everything. And the same way that our, our ecosystems, our earth, it always gives everything to everything. That's how we're supposed to live too. And so they always said, you know, don't be greedy. You know, respect things. Make sure you give your things away. If if you have if you have lots, give it away. That's a natural law. He said, you know, a river, it gives everything to everything, at every given moment. That's all it does is give life to everything. And they said that we're connected to everything. You know, they said that our body, you know, science will even say this: our bodies are like seventy percent water. Like my body is 70% water and 30% maple syrup. I'm just kidding. It's made of other stuff. <laughs> um, but it's 70% water. And so when I drink it, my water becomes, it becomes who I am. And when I pee it out, it goes into the watershed. And then somebody else drinks it. And whoever I am, also becomes a part of who they are. And they become a family of squirrels eventually. And those squirrels become a thundercloud. And that thundercloud becomes a family of fish. And that fish will become, of course, a brand new baby. We're all connected and weaved into this beautiful life, this very beautiful magic life here. And they say that we've been given knowledge from the stars that there are sacred sites up there. They'd say, oh, look at that. Look at that Jibai Mikan, that path, that spirit road there. Of course, it was the Milky Way. They'd say, that's one of our most sacred sites. And so all of our laws were, were made there too, in the Muslim in the pictures. And so to learn those constellations, we learned to, on how to live our life here on the earth too. We were given a map of how to live here. And of course, the plants, the animals, the stars, the light, even the moonlight gives us life. Everything gives us life. So we give thanks for everything. You know, when we hunt our food, when we go moose hunting, no, we know that moose is a big life. It's big. And when it gives its life, it gives all of it. Not just bungi, not just a little bit. It gives it all. So we have to use it all. And of course, that moose, we use it for medicines too. All of the animals carry medicines. They carry knowledge. One of the philosophies um, I'm going to try to use some big words and I'm going to fail miserably, unfortunately. Um, but just bear with me. Some of these philosophies, um, they talk about how that animals, they're stargazers, like a fish, like a giggle. And the fish will look up at the sky at night and it'll look into this hole called Bugnogizik. And in that hole, it can see the future. And of course, that knowledge gets stored in the fat of that fish. 
So when we eat that fish, we're eating that knowledge too, and their fat becomes our fat. You know our brains are fat, and they they feed off the the acids that are in the fat. That's what makes our brains. So when we eat our traditional fats, we're re retaining knowledge from those animals. We're retaining that traditional no knowledge. When we eat that moose, when we eat that that moose nose, there's a lot of fat in that nose. You know that moose, it goes into all the hard to reach places in the swamps. It eats those medicines. And it stores that, that medicine in its nose. So when we eat that fat, we get those medicines too. But not just the medicines, the knowledge. Because the moose will teach the children about those. It'll teach their kids about the medicines and how to survive and how to, to read the stars. Even dogs. You know, dogs know how, dogs can doctor themselves and they know how to read the stars. Birds, same thing. So we save that fat always. We make zasiganak out of it. We render it down and we eat it because we know that, that there's knowledge in there. And when that knowledge, it ends up in here and it ends up in here in our heart, which is really like our brain. And so growing up, we knew that there was, we were connected to everything and that that knowledge was everywhere. And I have some fat here and I want to show you. This fat right here, it's bear fat. This comes from a bear. And that bear, it knows all the roots and shrubs in the forest. It knows them all. That, the medicines, that bear knows everything. And for many months, it fasts inside the ground. It fasts in the ground and it prays. And that's how it receives its knowledge from the earth, right inside the ground. And of course, that knowledge gets stored into the fat. And because that bear has that knowledge and it eats all those roots and shrubs, all that medicine becomes inside here. So we eat this and we rub it on our body so that we can attain that good health and that knowledge from that bear. That bear is like our family. The animals are our relatives. There are many nations of animals out there. So we always make sure we leave offerings to them. We don't take them without giving something. One of the most common things that we always give is something called ganikanik or sema, which is called tobacco. And over here, this is one of our most powerful medicines right here. And it's Ganikanik. It's our, it's our version of what tobacco is. And we give that as an offering, as a special gift. When we take something from the earth, we offer that Ganikanik. And there's lots of roots and shrubs in that Ganikanik. There's lots inside there. And it takes a while to make it, but once you make it, you're rich. That's what makes it.
that's rich. Not money. You can't give a plant money. The plant will look at you and, and probably think that there's something wrong with you if you try to give that plant money. So we know that there's, there's a trade, that there's a, a very special um, transaction that happens. And so we know that when we use our, our medicines, we adopt them into our family. We adopt them. You know, so for example, for myself, because I live in the bush, you know, my family is big here because I adopt all these nations into my home. And I adopt all of these, these animal spirits into my home to become a part of our family. And I feast them just like I would with guests or an adopted brother or an adopted grandparent. We treat them well. We don't argue around them. We don't fight around them. We treat them with the utmost respect because we know that, that there's a spirit there. And that when we feast them, we give them strength. When we feast this, this um, when we feast this bear fat, it, it gives it strength and nourishment so that when we need it, it'll be strong for us. This one here, Bigumade, is what it's called. And what it is, it's bear fat that's made with the, with also with the, the sap of the trees. And so we mix them together and we rub that on our bodies when we're not feeling well. There's different kinds, there's different mixtures that you make. And of course, the, this is Gawan Dakbegu Mede. It means uh, uh, spruce gum fat. <laughs> it sounds always much better in Indian. Spruce gum fat. That's what this is. And when you rub that on your body, that fat goes inside. Or when you eat it, 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 it's a, it pulls things out of you. Gobzen, they call it when something is being pulled out of you. And so it's used all the time to pull something out. This is another one here. They call this minigan. And it's made out of the poplar buds. They call that manzat, mean, suck. Wabo. Minigan. And you, you take those poplar buds and you cook them in that fat that bear fat and you make a cream out of it and it's a good pain reliever you can eat it or you can rub it on your sore spots you know all these medicines these fats they rely on offerings they rely on on prayer that's how you make them strong is you have to pray to them and, and those spirits, these are our relatives. We, these become adoptees into our homes. And so we include them into our lives. And when we use them, we thank them. We give offerings of thanks when we use them. Another thing that we, that we always do is we make something called Muzanewe Wichigewen. Muzanewe, it's, it's, 
the only way to describe it is like this. Ta-da! This here is an Indian doll. It's even got a little pack sack. It's got the wampum beads. This Masanege Wichkin is is filled with medicine inside. It's even got a tobacco tie in the heart. There's even something in its brain. And so we we ought we we give thanks so that this elder can live with us. Because right now I don't have an elder in our home. So we make we we make these dolls, these medicine dolls, and we face them in the direction where danger is coming. And so we know that it carries that medicine here in the back, in the pack sack, the protection medicine. And we face it where that sickness or where that where the enemies are coming from. It'll protect us. So we're always making dolls. You know, we're making these all the time so that, you know, our, our these things can protect our home. And so it feels good to have an elder live with us. You know, my grandparents died many years ago. They died a long time ago. And so we, this is my, like my grandpa. And pretty soon I'm gonna, we're going to make a grandma. And these, these are our relatives. They'll live with us. And inside the, inside the body is, is, a, is a flower called Wabganese. Some call it Anwewich. Some people will, there's different names for it. Anwichigan, some people will call that plant. It, what it means is that it'll push something bad away. So it's filled with that. It also has tobacco inside. And in the back, there's something called Ansichigan, which is a medicine to protect. So we know that we're not strong enough to carry this burden. So we, we ask this strong, this very strong Muslim to carry that for us on our behalf so that our families can be straight, can be safe and healthy. And that's, that's another medicinal thing that we do. This isn't, people will say, well, that's witchcraft. Well, you can call it whatever you want. I know what the real meaning of this is. Because the old people always said, there's spirit when we make these. And that even these need to be given gifts. So I gave it wampum. I gave it these old trading beads. These beads are hundreds of years old. I gave it that beautiful wampum and these trading beads as a gift. And sometimes we... we we make a food offering, we put it in the fire for this, for this very important treasured elder that lives with us. So for us, we believe that we, we make relatives wherever we go. That's one of the ceremonies that, that we have is making of relations. Wherever we go, we make relatives, human ones, but also animal ones, plant ones. Even pictures, we make relatives with dolls. We make relatives with everything in our life because we know that we only get one life and we're only here for one short time and that's it. 
and that while we're here, we should have a big family and that we all help each other out because that's what how nature is. This here is a very sacred medicine to us. They call it Abzichigan. There's many, many plants in that. It's a mixture. Many different plants. Abzichigan, what it means, it's to bring back to life. If somebody's going to die, it'll bring them back to life. And there's lots of plants in there. Many, many plants. And so there's many nations that live there. So when we adopt those nations into our home, we have to be respectful to them. But we're also told that, you know, our medicines are here to help us. But for every life, there is a death. And that our medicines play a part somewhere in the middle. We all can't live to be forever. Uh, I mean, a lot of us probably wish we could live to be forever. But the, truth, but the truth is we can't. And so we petition our plants to help us for our sick, for our sick ones. So that we, their life could be extended. Because we love them. We don't want them to go. We believe that sickness is a spirit. Sometimes those sicknesses are caused by the animals. Sometimes the sickness is caused from the sky or it's caused from something in the ground. The old people always said, you know, in your lifetime, you will see a sickness come from the sky. And it'll start walking on the earth. It'll make people sick. You'll see that in your lifetime. They always said that our laws have to be, have to be respected. And loved the Zagadoin. He said, in your life, never dig deeper than a hand in the ground. Because there's powers in the ground. There's things that live there. So you remember in the beginning when I was telling you about all those tunnels that go under the ground from lake to lake, from place to place. Those great big manadosh. Those those great big snakes, those big worms, those big lizards live there. That's not our place. When we made treaty with the settlers, that's what we, we said. We explained to them the natural laws. You cannot dig deeper than the depth of a plow. Because we can't bother those spirits that are there. That power is too strong for us. If you go after that power, if you bring that power up, it could destroy the whole earth. It'll cause much sickness. That's what they said. And of course, they went after that power and they dug that power up for themselves. And now it's destroying everything. So now this time, when the two-legged are on a quest to destroy the earth, we have to go back to the largest and most trusted and confident healthcare system on, on the, in the whole world, which is the land. That land holds everything, the stars. People don't realize how much knowledge 
how much medicine is there. Sometimes we look at Nagajig, uh, a, a, a certain constellation. It's a sacred site. When we tell those stories, we get medicine. They call it Atsukananan. When we tell those stories, those medicine stories about the stars, those spirits are with us and they gift us with medicine. They doctor us. So we always feast our stories. And because that's where we learn. That's where we learn our natural laws and our medicines. Over here. This one is called Nemeshkos. I'm sorry, I don't know any English names for any plants. I can just tell you that Nemeshkos is a very powerful medicine. A long time ago, on the big lake, Gichigaming, they call it, that big lake, there was a big fish that was eating people. People were scared. They were scared because that fish was just eating everybody. That fish was a sturgeon fish. All of a sudden, there is this spirit. They call that spirit Nanabujo. Nanabujo says, I'll kill that fish. And so Nanabujo went paddling across that lake. Sure enough, that big fish swallowed him. And then when he was inside that fish, he grabbed his knife and he stabbed that fish in the heart. And he killed it. And he crawled out of that fish's mouth and he took it to the shoreline. He cut it up and he smoked it. And he sat there and he feasted on it. All the other sturgeons seen that. And they knew. They didn't want that to happen to them. So they wanted to have a stronger heart. So they all went to the shorelines and they wiggled them way, their way onto the land and they started to eat that plant because it makes their heart strong. And guess what? That's what that medicine is for. It makes our heart strong when we're sick so that we don't get more sick. If we have a bad flu, we drink that so it'll make, it'll make things better for us. I'm staring at a whole bunch of medicines over here. There's lots. You know, here's another one here. They call this Pwagan Jabik. Again, I don't know what the English name is, so this isn't going to help you very much. Pipe stem root is what it's called in English. And we boil that, and it helps us with our breath. You know, when we smoke that sacred pipe, you know, our prayers, they come from our heart. And we blow. Those prayers go out of that smoke, and they go into the world. This here helps us with our sacred breath. The same way that a, a baby gives its first breath. It makes it strong like that. So that we too can cast our prayer and our songs to the world. 
We believe that when we have good breath, when we sing our songs, those songs go to the heart to reach places. That sound will travel. It knows where to go. And so we use our medicines to help us keep strong. We even drink them when we're not sick so that when sickness comes, our bodies will be able to fight them. There's another one here. Nadwaya Jabik, they call this. It means uh, like Mohawk root is what they call it. Our word for the Haudenosaunee people are Nadwa. So I don't know what the English name of that is either. But that's very good for when we're not well. All the medicines I have here now are, are for chest and cold and flu medicines to help organs. You know, when I was young, I was only five years old. And I was taken away by Indian agents. The Canadian government didn't want us to live with our parents. And so me and my brothers were taken away. They didn't want us to live with them, with our parents. Because we were the Indian problem. We were a free people with our own government, our own language, our own laws, with our own sustainable economy. We were free, Debenzoin. We were free people in our lands. And those, those governments came in and they wanted to have everything for themselves. So they took us off the land. They forced us onto the reservations where I got put on. And then from there, the Indian agents came and they took us as children. We weren't allowed to live with our parents because they thought our parents would teach us these things and that we'd go back to the forest. And so they tried to, to erase us, erase our knowledge. They tried to take it all away. And of course it was so that they could have a free-for-all and resource extraction in our territories, which they did. They made a big mistake. And now it's causing a lot of problems for everybody. We couldn't stop them. I come from a long line of warriors. My parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, my great-great-grandparents, they all went to war trying to save these lands. They all fought to try to protect the natural balance that's here. It's not that we didn't try. There was too many of them. And they were too stubborn and they wouldn't listen. They thought that there was something wrong with us. But that knowledge, it had to be continued to be passed down. I was 10 years old when I was back home. And I never went back to school. Because they said the globalization of Western education is wiping out indigenous knowledges all over the earth. They said, we don't have enough people that know how to read the stars or know about the, the stories or the plants or the animals or about our government. And they start to put me out to fast. 
They said, that's where you're going to get your education. So I had to go live with medicine people. And I studied underneath them. And they were strict and they were hard on me. Because we had to get, they had to make sure that everything was right and passed down the same way that it was passed down to them. And of course, that was impossible without sacrifice. So I had to fast. I had to dance. Lots of times I cried. I was so scared. Lots of times, that's all I did was work for them. Because I knew how much it meant to them. And my muscles hurt. And they were so serious, they really stressed to me. They said, this knowledge is very important. Because on we which you gave in of what's going to come in the future. They said, so work hard so that you and your, your generation can survive because something's coming. That's what they said. They said, so always maintain your relationship with everything, with all creation, even settlers, even with the Jagannath. French, the British, the Americans, everybody. That's what they said. We all come from this place. They said, celebrate everybody's diversity. Celebrate everybody's magic that they carry inside them. They said, every race of people at one time lived their life without a garbage can. Every race of people have their own songs and their own stories and their own legends. Celebrate them with them. Be in solidarity with, with, with the two-legged. Don't think your way is the only way. Because in the forest, there's diversity. Everything is different. All the birds have different songs. All the plants have different stories. All the animals, they have different stories and they come from different places. They said, that's what makes this place beautiful. So don't be mad. They said, we tried to kill this thing with a bow and arrow. We couldn't do it. And they tried. My family tried hard to protect these, this land. But this, this thing, it's too big. It's too huge. This capitalism, consumerism, it's big. The human beings lost their way. They went down another path and they're on a quest to destroy the earth. And this traditional knowledge, people don't believe it's real. They think that there's something wrong with us. But it is real. There is a high level of education with indigenous people. We were made to, to feel like we didn't know anything, that we were dumb. They stole us from our parents because they thought our parents were stupid and didn't know anything. My daughter, Wabigwan, is seven years old. Seven. 
and she's the first child in my bloodline that has not been apprehended by Indian agents in over 120 years. In 120 years, they stole our children so that they could suppress this knowledge because they know that that's where we get our pride from. When we sing our songs, when we sing our dances, when we say our prayers, that's revolution. And they know that. I always get emotional when I speak about them because they're all gone. But I, I, always, I always feel like they're with me in my heart, always. You know, the education that we have now, the education that's being taught in the world is not producing a sustainable economy. So what will produce a sustainable economy? Indigenous people here on these lands know how to live here on these lands. We need space. We need to get in. We need an indoor so that we can share the little that we know on how to live here on these lands. You know, I believe in a thousand years they're going to look back at this time in history and they're going to tell this story of when the two-legged tried to destroy everything. Atsukan, a sacred story. And guess who the characters of that story is going to be? It's going to be us. And think about it. What's causing the problem in the world? Greed. Hate. So what's the opposite of greed and hate? How do we fix this? By giving. By loving. That's how we fix this. Fighting is not going to do nothing. I know. I've done my share of fighting in my life. Believe me. But if you're for a river, it becomes more powerful than being against a pipeline. If you're for those sacred flowers, it becomes more powerful than being against that nuclear waste plant. Because when you're for something, everybody can join you for it. And it creates a different energy. And it creates solidarity and unity because everybody can be for it. But not everybody's going to join you to tear something ugly down. So instead of tearing something down that's ugly, build something up that's beautiful. Be for something beautiful. Create beautiful. Respect everything. That's what those plants do. That's what they teach us. All those sacred sites I talked about, all those names I told you about in the beginning, we'd fast there to gain knowledge so that in this lifetime, we'd be able to survive. And that's where we learned about all of our plants all of, our, all of the star medicine, all of the animal med medicine, all of it. That's where we learn those sacred sites are important. So in, during times of, of famine or sickness or war, we go there and we make those petitions. It's part of our, it's part of our healthcare system. And so right now, 
when the two-legged are trying to destroy everything, what are we to do? Where are we to go? So many people are stuck in the cities. So many people are stuck on reservations. You know, where, what are we to do? Part of the answer is to try and reconnect back to the earth. I remember I was in Toronto and, you know, people were sick and they asked, they said, can you make us medicine? I went looking around Toronto and I found lots of medicines growing there. Lots. I was able to find almost everything I needed. And I gave it to those people. And they got well. There's lots growing everywhere. We can't stop them. The medicine will always come to us. Those, those medicines migrate to where we are. They always do. The old people said they migrate, they travel, and they go where they need to go. I know there's lots to lots of stories. I don't know how much time I have. Can I get a, a time check? I don't know if I have time to tell a story or not. I believe you do. You've got 25 minutes until the end. We could also play your video if you'd like. Okay, yeah, let's play the video. That'd be great. Okay, just a second. I'll play it. Nahum, give me a good in. Thank you. For my people, the sicknesses that are happening today was foretold from the prophecies that were passed down from our old ones. We call them Anwigichigewin, meaning things to come. And so we know from the old prophecies of the past, there is a lot of traditional practices that can help us add volume of knowledge needed for the present times of sickness. For example, it was foretold that people would need to make their own dishes out of wood and never to share them. They were also told of the plant and animal remedies that would be useful during such times. Through the ceremonies and visions of our medicine peoples, it was advised that families needed to self-isolate on the land. When they did this, they would be okay. This all came from prophecy. This all came from ceremony. Our elders always remind us, all of the laws that are being broken right now is what's causing the sickness. Because of this, we have to go back to the old way of life. That's what they always talked about. The elders are constantly reminding us to go back to the land because it's the biggest and most powerful healthcare system we have. The medicines are a part of the answer, and so is being part of the land. We are the land, and the land is ceremony. We're often reminded that hoarding and being greedy is part of what causes the sickness. So if we want the sickness to go away, we have to give. We can't hoard anything. This protects us and takes power away from what feeds the sickness. I believe that we're in a sacred story now, and that a thousand years from now, they will be telling this story of when the two-legged try to destroy the earth. I really truly believe that right now, if we follow the natural laws of the land, everything will become beautiful again. 
everything will be okay. I remember years ago, my great-great-grandfather said, you know what? We need to go home. We have to go back. And it's okay to do so because that's where we're going to learn to live again. Now, miigwech. Thank you. So that was a little video that we made. Um, I kind of do doodles, and um, and so the people took the doodles and they, they animated them. And uh, I just told the story. Um, I did a talk or something, and they recorded it, and they just used the the recording and they did the doodles and the animation, and they made that. So, uh, and again, that talks about um, COVID nineteen. And it was made uh, for COVID-19. Um, thanks for sharing that. I'll tell you a story. Um, I don't know, like there's so much. I'm staring at all these plants and all these roots and shrubs to the side of me. But I realized that I don't know any of the English names of them. And it's probably not going to do anybody any good if I showed them. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell a story. And when I tell this story, hopefully that we can, there'll be something in that story that could help us now. And so before I tell this story, I just want to acknowledge that this story came from my people. It comes from my, my grandparents. They always told this story around a fire. And every time I heard it, it, it I felt like I was in a movie theater. No, we never had movie theaters in the bush. But that's how I felt like, like I was, I was watching a, a movie. And so with that, just bear with me and I'll tell this story. They say that a long time ago. You know, my people, we were given those original instructions to live here. They said, always follow the animal trails. Always live in a good way. Be kind. Don't be greedy. Only take what you need and your life will be good here. Well, over time, my people, they start to get greedy. They start to take too much stuff. They start to take too much meat, weas. They start to take too much fat. And pretty soon everything started to rot because they had too much. And the whole village was just filled with bones. That's bad. You're not supposed to leave bones laying all over the place. You'll bad luck yourself. But that's how it was. There was bones laying everywhere. Everybody got greedy. That sickness, it started to catch on to everybody. It started to get tangled in their hair. That greediness would go in their hair. Or when they were sleeping, that greediness would crawl in their mouth at nighttime. And it would make them that way. Or that, that greediness would catch on to the, go in their pocket. And they would become like that. Pretty soon the whole village became greedy. And they started to take too much. They started to kill too many animals, pick too many berries, catch too many fish. And they never gave nothing for nothing. 
they lost their way and they started to destroy the earth. They say this happened a long time ago. And of course, the animals were scared. They were very scared. So they had a sacred council meeting. They said, what are we going to do? They couldn't come up with, a, with an idea. They said, we should try to fight them. They said, we, we can't win them. They're too, they're too warrior-like. They're too aggressive. But the humans, the two-legged, just kept on taking. One village would get infected by the greediness, then another village, then another village. Pretty soon everybody was like that all over the earth. And the animals started to get really scared. But what happened was, there was this old spirit in the sky. They call this spirit, Babonene, the wintering spirit. He lives in Gwedmang in the stars, in the north. This old spirit looked down on the earth and seen all the greediness. It was tangled in everybody's hair. It was in people's stomachs. That greediness would even go into somebody's arm. That greediness infected everybody. It was in their eyes. And so that old man thought, I know what to do. That old spirit that lives up there, Babonene, the winter maker, thought, I'm going to blow my cold breath down on the earth. And I'm going to kill those humans. And so he started to blow his cold breath down, trying to freeze the earth. But there was a power here on earth that was just as strong as the old man's breath, if not stronger. It was the birds. The Benesiwak. Those birds, when they sang their sacred songs, when they sang their medicine songs, it casted beautiful power everywhere. And that old man's breath couldn't penetrate through those songs. And the louder the, those birds sang, the, the more it pushed the breath back into that old man's mouth. He couldn't freeze the earth like he wanted to. So those birds kept singing. That's how powerful those songs are. They're powerful. That medicine that comes out of them is strong. It was strong enough to protect the whole earth from being frozen. But the old man had a plan. He thought, I'm going to go down to the earth. I'm going to get all those birds. Put them in a bag and store them in my wigwam up in the stars, in my lodge. Because those birds will be gone, I'll be able to freeze the earth no problem. Because not only will I steal the birds, I'll steal all their songs and all their medicine. So of course that old man went down to the earth with a big bag, came all the way from the stars and started to roam the earth and start to get all those birds, and got all of them, and went back up into the sky, into his wigwam, into his lodge, and then he started to blow his cold breath on the earth. Boy, his breath was sacred. It was cold. 
It just started to, to come down on the earth and freeze everything. That ice started to, to grow real big. The wind was coming from all different directions. Everything on earth started to perish. The beautiful green blanket of life that was laid here started to wither and die. All of the plants, the trees, the grasses, the swamps, all, all that beautiful green blanket that were so weaved into start to wither and die. And we start to wither and die too. Because of course we're part of that. The animals start to die. The fish start to die. Everything start to die. And that old man didn't care. He just kept blowing his breath to try to freeze and kill that greediness. So the animals had another council meeting. It was this little animal called Ojig Fisher. A little animal about this big. That, that little fisher, it, it, it went out to all the different animals in the forest. It gave them tobacco and said, meet me in four days. We need to figure this out. We need to save the earth. Even Fisher went to the humans and tried to give the humans tobacco, but the humans didn't want to go. Four days later, Fisher sat there by that fire it made for the meeting. And out of the darkness came all these animals, one by one, by the hundreds, by the thousands. And before you know it, there was tens of thousands of animals in a big circle around that fire. And each one of them had something to say. And each one of them talked. And they deliberated for days. It was cold. But they were strong. And it was decided at that council meeting that four animals, Wunesiwak, would go on a warrior's quest to save the earth. The four animals that were chosen was Gok, the porcupine. Porcupine was chosen because it was the first one that volunteered. It said, look at my how strong my back is. Of course, they said, because of your, your bravery, you were the first one to jump up and say, yes, of course you can go on this quest. The next animal that was chosen was otter because otter is smart and quick and smooth and a good fighter. So Otter was chosen to go on this quest to save the earth. The next animal that was chosen was Bijou, the lynx. Lynx has strong legs and can jump high. And it's fierce and it's calm and it's sneaky and it's quiet. So it was chosen to go on this quest. But the oldest animals in that council meeting and that very sacred meeting looked at Fisher and said, you're the one that started this. You have to go too. Follow it through with them. You're stronger than you think. And so those were the four animals 
that were chosen to go on this warrior's quest to save the earth from greediness. And their plan was to climb a high mountain. Once they got to the top of that mountain, they were going to jump to the stars, zigzag across, Anungo Kaning, the star world. They were going to go to where that old man lived, the winter maker, go into his lodge and steal those birds back and try to negotiate with the old man so that he could stop blowing his cold breath. And they were going to bring those birds down so that they can sing their medicine songs and melt all the ice so that life could be restored. That was their plan. So away they went in the darkness, up that mountain, and they got to the top. It was a hard journey, but they were strong. Porcupine's not a jumper. Porcupine can't even jump over this pencil. Um, so they grabbed Porcupine by the arms and legs, and they threw Porcupine up into the sky, hoping that Porcupine would, would go into the star world. But it hit something. It hit a power. We call that power in my language, Gizikdong, a power that covers the earth. Porcupine couldn't bust through that power, and it came down onto the earth. And when it landed, it busted its hands, its feet, and its hands. That's why porcupines, when you see them, they wobble and their feet are swollen. It's to remind us of what happened a long time ago when the two-legged got greedy and tried to destroy everything. The next animal to make that jump was otter. Nagig. Otter jumped, trying to bust through that power, Gizikdong. They call that power Gizikdong. It means the sky. That otter tried to bust through the sky and it couldn't do it. It was too powerful. And that otter came down to the earth and it landed on that mountain and it slid on its stomach all the way down. And that's why otters slide around today. It's to remind us of what happened a long time ago when we stopped sharing our food with our relatives. The next animal to make that very sacred jump was Bijou the lynx, like a bobcat. So lynx jumped. It jumped hard, and it tried to bust its face through the sky to get to the star world. And it smashed it hard, but it couldn't go through. And when lynx came down, it landed on a sharp piece of ice. And its beautiful long tail got cut off. That's why they just got like a, a little short tail. It's to remind us of what happened a long time ago when we stopped making our offerings to the earth. The only animal left was Fisher. Fisher was raised by its grandparents. And so it knew that if it wanted something, it had to give something but it didn't have no more tobacco left. So it started to dig in the ice and snow to try to find something to give. And it found six bearberries 
little red berries frozen. It dug them up. It grabbed those six berries. And that fisher, that little animal, start to pray. It said, help us. The two-legged have lost their way. And, the, and that old man, Winter Maker, is going to freeze all of us and we're going to die. Help me on this warrior's quest to help save the earth. And that fisher threw those berries into the sky and jumped. And when it jumped, it looked up and it noticed something. There was a crack in Gizikdong. There was a crack in the sky. The other animals made a crack. And when it hit that, that sky, it busted through. And it found itself in the star world. And Fisher looked across the sky. And it seen that old man's wigwam far away. That old man's lodge. But outside that lodge, was a crane guarding it. So Fisher knew that if it came close to that lodge, that crane would yell and the old man would know somebody was after those birds. So the Fisher, it climbed through that hole in the sky they call Bugunogizhik. They climbed through that hole in the sky that Fisher did. And it found a bunch of gawandak bagu, spruce gum. And it collected a bunch of that sticky gum. And it went up through that hole and across the stars. And it snuck behind Crane. And when Crane opened its great big mouth to yell, Fisher grabbed that sticky tree gum and shoved it right into that Crane's mouth. It couldn't say anything. It tried to yell. But all it, the only noise that could come out of it was like that. The old man in the lodge knew something was wrong, knew that something was after those birds. So it turned around and grabbed its bow and arrow. And when it went to the door, he noticed the birds were gone. Fisher had made it into that lodge, grabbed those birds before the old man turned around after grabbing his bow and arrow. And Fisher started running across the sky got to Bugunogizhik, the hole, and start to pour those birds down that hole. Those birds, they start to flutter down to the earth. They start to sing their songs, casting medicine everywhere, restoring life everywhere. As Fisher was pouring those birds down that hole, it heard a noise, a noise that would ring through the ages. The noise I'm talking about is the snapping of the old man's bowstring. The old man had him lined up with his bow and arrow. The old man, those arrows could go to the earth, the end of the earth, no problem, and they always hit their mark. They were magic arrows. So as Fisher was pouring those, those birds down, it heard that noise and it jumped, trying to get away because it knew an arrow was coming. But that arrow came and got Fisher right in the tail and killed it. And there Fisher laid upside down in the sky. And the old man just blew his breath. And the old man thought, you know, I can't freeze the earth because those birds are there. 
I can blow all day. It's not going to matter. Fisher's dead. There ain't going to be no more heroes. I'm going to go to my wigwam and get another bag. I'm going to go down to the earth and get those birds and then blow my breath and freeze everything again. And for sure, I'll be able to kill everything. I'll be able to get the, rid of the greediness. So he went back into his wigwam. And while he was in there to get another bag, something happened. All of a sudden, from the top of his lodge, six very mysterious lights started to come down. And as they were coming down, they turned into human form. Each one of them had a red berry in their hand. And this is what they said. They said, Ani Bujou, we are the six powers of the universe. And we've been watching everything from a distance. We've seen how the two-legged lost their way and tried to destroy everything. We've seen how the animals tried to save the earth and how the, the beautiful green blanket wilted and died that gives everything life. We also seen how the fish got frozen and how those birds were kidnapped. We know why you tried to kill the humans, but you tried to destroy everything else too. So we've made up a decision. And they told the wintering spirit, you can blow your breath for half the year to remind the humans, the two-legged, that they have to be caring and sharing with each other, that they have to be generous with every living thing, that they have to be generous amongst themselves, that they can't take, they can't hoard anything, and that they have to give something when they take something, and they have to return back to the natural laws. Your breath, that coldness will remind them of that. And for the other half of the year, we'll let the birds sing their songs their medicine songs, so that all the new babies can be born, so that the flowers can come, that life can happen. And to commemorate Fisher for what it's done, we'll turn Fisher into stars. And they turn that Fisher into what we know as the Big Dipper. They turn that, that Fisher into the Big Dipper, seven sacred stars. And so in the springtime, you'll see Fisher on its arms and legs running across the, the sky towards Bhaganogizhik. Birds fly around and they sing their songs and life flourishes. And then the fall time, the Fisher starts to go on its back. And blood from its tail drips down and it paints the trees red. And the old man blows his breath and winter starts. And in the springtime, Fisher's back on its arms and legs, running across the sky, and the birds are singing. That's called a sacred story. That's what they call a sacred site up there, because it teaches us. I think about that story, and I think about the story that we're in now. I think about that story. You know, everything that we do right now is going to make a difference for the future. It doesn't seem like it, 
Just because we can't see the difference we make, it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Because if it wasn't for the strong back of porcupine, if it wasn't for the, the strong back legs of lynx and the fierce ways of otter, Fisher never would have made it through. Everything that we do right now is going to make a difference. And we have our relatives here with us to help us. We have our relatives here with us to, to be with us. So be brave. Take that sacred jump into the knowledge. Take that jump, that sacred jump, because future generations, they will benefit from it. We need Ogichitaog. We need warriors of the heart. Be a warrior of the heart. It's time for us to go back to learn those original, original instructions on how to live here again. And that's what those old stories tell us and teach us. So for that, I want to thank you for the, the time to tell you the story. It's a, a story that brings me great joy because at the end of the story, it was an offering of six berries that saved everything. It was an offering of six berries that saved everything. So don't stop giving. Don't stop giving your offerings. It's all connected to who we are as, as human beings. Now, how, Jimmy Gwich, thank you very much. How are we doing for time? Do we have, do we have to do questions? Hi, Isaac. Thank you so much for that. It was a real pleasure. I uh, just wanted to go back and just talk a little bit before we start regarding the um, translation. So just a reminder, um, we do have an interpreter, uh, Mayra Mateo, from the Nahuatl Nation. She is interpreting into Spanish. So if you look at the bottom, there's a globe, you click on it and you speak, um, it translates everything into Spanish. Uh, so that's a question. Sorry, I'm re I'm reading the things. I'm kind of my my baby got really excited when he heard your voice, so he just like ran out and he wanted to like play with you, and so it kind of like messed me up a little bit in my timing. So, but he was the one to play with your face and everything. He got really intrigued in the story. You know, he felt that he felt the energy of it. Okay, so yeah, so that's just it with the anything else, Desiree, because I'm kind of a little off track with the translation stuff. No, I just really want to say thank you to Isaac and then open it up for Q&A. I can make it and I will right now where folks are able to unmute themselves. So what we do next is usually just popcorn style question and answer. So if anyone has any questions for Isaac, please. On you, Patricia. <laughs> I do have a question for you, Isaac. Why okay. six berries? Why six berries? Because they believe that the old people believed that there was six directions. That there was the the Aki, Gijik, Wabanung, Shawanung, um, Ishpingming. 
and Guidnung. Oh, okay. That yeah, there were okay. six the yeah. six powers. Okay. And that that's why they offered the six berries for each of those powers. Just like when we fill our pipe mm -hmm. those six directions. Yeah. And then some people will will say the seventh one is the great mystery, you know. And so he offered them to those six powers. Mm-hmm. But good question. Good to see you. <laughs> it's interesting, yeah. Miigwech, Bama Pi. Oh, just getting a lot of thank yous, uh, Isaac, in the chat. Just looks like people are really grateful for your time and thankful for your storytelling and the gifts that you're bringing to share with everyone. It's really, you do have a great gift that you're sharing. Oh, thank you. Does anyone have any other questions for Isaac? Isaac, you might wind up with a little bit of extra time if you have anything you want to share. You're quite the visual artist as well. I could share my screen and maybe um, if folks don't have any other questions, would you talk to us about your image that was so prolific with Standing Rock? Yeah, if you can show my the images, that would be great. Sure. Okay, just a second. I'll pull it up. Let's see. So this is the one that is is pretty famous of yours yeah that's thunderbird woman that's thunderbird woman and there's there's a story about that and it's and, and unfortunately we don't have the time to tell the whole story mm -hmm. but what i can tell you is that she's a She's like a, an environmental superhero that's half Thunderbird and, and half woman. And she's here to help save, save the planet. And she's, she's here to help. And her power is thunder and lightning. And in the picture, you see all those, those eggs that she's protecting. She's protecting future generations. You see the heart. You see the moon. You see her strength. And that's who she is. That's Thunderbird Woman. She's here to help us. Mm -hmm. We also have uh, one more of yours that you sent along. Let me see if I can pull it up. It's this one. Yes, that's like a different version of her. I, I just keep going back to her because... Um, that was a story of my youth of of when this woman was turned into thunderbird and was adopted into the thunderbird family and so in this picture here you have her standing there with her arm raised up and uh, she's holding a feather and she's got a big heart you'll see like two stars on top and that wiggly figure on top of her is rain and the the six circles on the six on the sides those are the six powers and of course you'll see the corn that represents our food and the medicines that are growing the plants the lightning and the eggs are the future generations that she's protecting and so it's like this is thunderbird woman too it's just a different version of of her okay thank you yeah. 
Looks like uh, someone named Satya has uh, one of your prints up in her office and she just loves it. She left a comment. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. For folks that maybe haven't seen Isaac's work, um, during Standing Rock at the camps, people got the Thunderbird woman tattooed on their body because they felt such a strong connection to the story and they felt a great sense of encouragement and power from those images. So if you go back and you look at the water protectors who are standing there protecting the Lake Oahe, which has 17 million people downstream that they were there to protect that water. You'll see Isaac's images up on flags. People really carried that, you know, and were very inspired by it. So I'm a fan because I was one of those people, you know, on that front line. So just grateful that you would share about that image. And it's become a real piece of pop culture history. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I'm going to tell the story then. If you I, might as well, I, might, I might as well tell the story. Okay. They, they say that a long time ago, there was this young lady, she, she got her first menstrual cycle. And her grandparents decided to, to teach her at that time about womanhood. And so they made a lodge for her. And every day her dad and her grandmother would go visit her and her mom. And they would talk to her. And, you know, they would bring her tea. And she had to keep her own fire in that lodge. And what happened was, well, they were, well, she was, while the parents were gone and the grandparents were gone, um, this young mysterious man would appear at the lodge. And like, you, that's a no-no. If there's a, a young lady that's, that's in that ceremony, that's one of our most sacred ceremonies, is when, the, when a woman goes through that for the first time. We're not allowed to go there. That's a no-no. But this young guy went there, and he started visiting her. And she just started to get hearts in her eyes. She just just fell in love with this guy and he fell in love with her so they visited for many days in secret and eventually um, when it was over and done with the grandmother said you know maybe next year you can find yourself a man or a woman or a partner But whatever you do, make sure you tell me first. She says, well, I did meet somebody. And the grandmother's like, what? How did you meet somebody? Well, while you guys were gone, when I was in the lodge, this young man came by, and, and, and we've got quite the thing going. And the grandmother said, that's, that's not right. I want to meet this young man, and so does your father. Tell him to come meet me tomorrow. So they waited at sunrise, and out of the tree line came this young man. And oh my God, the dad 
He had a club in his hand. Big club. He was going to hit that boy. But that boy just walked fearlessly towards them. And the father got ready with that club. And the grandmother said, stop. Don't hit him. That's not right. Put it down. So the father kind of felt bad and put dropped his club. And the grandmother said, look, that boy doesn't have a shadow. There's something sacred about him. That boy is Manado. That boy is sacred and comes from the spirit world. Let, let them be together. This is not our business. And that young lady was happy. And of course, she, she took off with that young man. And that young man said, I'm going to take you to a place called Nimki Ajbakong, Thunder Mountain. We'll go build a home up there. And so they crawled to the top of Thunder Mountain. And once they got to the top, he started to, to gather stones and make a big circle out of them. And they just got, kept adding stones and stones and stones. She says, what kind of a home is this? He says, don't worry. It's the best kind. Nothing, no rain, no snow will bother you here. No bad winds when you're inside here. Yes, it's open. But don't worry, nothing can bother you inside there. Just keep putting stones around. So they made it around and around and around. Finally, the rocks were kind of falling over each other and they, the, the pile kept getting higher. And then finally she says, you know, you're working me too hard here, man. You better get us something to eat. He said, okay, I'll go get something to eat. But right where they had their that, that stone circle thingy, there was a big cliff there. And he started walking, and he walked off the cliff. And that goes a long ways down. She just screamed. She yelled, no. She ran to that edge of that cliff, and she looked down. And when she looked down, a great big thunderbird flew up. She fell in love with a thunderbird. And you should have seen the hearts in her eyes then. They were like, boing. And that Thunderbird loved her too. And that Thunderbird came back with some food. And what they made was a stone nest. They called that a sinni swasening, stone nest. And it was true. That Thunderbird said, in, in many years from now, we'll have babies. But not now. Let's just live together for now. And when, it's, when you're ready to have babies, we'll have babies. She says, I'm ready now. He says, no, you're not. You got to wait. So they waited a few years. And it was true. No snow, no rain would go inside there. 
she was really, they were really in love with each other. Finally, after much convincing and, and, and years had gone by, they decided to have baby. And her stomach just grew real big. And it was time for her to, to deliver. You could hear thunder crashing in her stomach. It was loud. You could see lightning in the back of her eyes. And when she spoke, it was coming out of her mouth. And she held on to a tree. And she and she she gave birth. A baby came out. But it wasn't a regular baby. It was an egg made of stone. Thump. And then she went to another tree. She held on to it. Thump. Another egg came out made of stone. And then another one. Another one. She laid eggs all, all over the top of that mountain. And they were all made of stone. She was tired at the end of the day. Very tired. So her, her husband held her and said, I'm so proud of you. Look at, look at our family. We're going to have a family. You're just, a, you're amazing. I've, I've never known anybody to be so strong like you. And it's time to have a good rest. And so the sun started to go down. But what they didn't see was the lake at the bottom of that cliff was twirling around. And around. And if one was to look inside that, you would see tails of serpents sticking out. And they were after one thing, those eggs. They quickly fell asleep, that Thunderbird and that, that beautiful woman. And as soon as they slept, those Thunderbirds came out of the water. They climbed that cliff. And they start to eat those eggs. Instantly, there is a big crash of lightning. And a big battle happened between the Thunderbirds and the Serpent. That battle lasted many, many years. Our people seen it from a distance. There was a big fog that covered that mountain. And you could just see lightning coming out of it. Serpents' tails and heads would, would come out. And they'd see them go back in. And wings. They knew a big battle was happening. The earth was just shaking there. Finally, the, the chief of those that serpent, his name was Nsagama. That thunderbird tried to shoot lightning and kill it, but it missed it. And it cracked that mountain in half. A big crack down the middle. And those serpents got away. But all they were able to take was two eggs only. And they made their way down that tunnel in the lake. And they went to a river that was not near that was nearby. And that's the battle that took place there. And so she she was sad that those two eggs were taken. But she was happy that, that there were only two eggs taken.
And guess what? Those eggs are still there. I seen them. That crack that's in that mountain that was made by that Thunderbird's lightning, that crack is still there. And the medicine is still inside that crack. There's no stronger medicine than the medicine that's used to protect your children. So people fast there. They pray there to get that medicine so that the children can be protected for whatever is coming. And of course, that, that beautiful woman that got adopted into the Thunderbird family, she's, she lives with the Thunderbirds now. And they say that one day they're going to come back and they're going to shoot lightning at those eggs and those eggs are going to open up and little baby Thunderbirds are going to come out and those little baby Thunderbirds are going to roam the earth and everything's going to be like brand new again. And they're going to save us. They're going to save the world. And that We'll go back to the old way of life when that happens. That's what I was told. They, they call that Anwewichigewen. That's what they call that story. It means a prophecy. And so Thunderbird Woman represents her. And, you know, coming back to help us during this very sacred time. And so that's that's why she's here and that's a, that's the story behind it the story is much longer than that i gave you the short the short version i wish i could tell you everything but we're running out of time well, thank you but, so much yeah absolutely mm -hmm. is there anyone else who has any other questions otherwise we will wrap up and i'll put the information up for next week's class Hi, Renee. Bonjour. Bonjour. It's good to see you and to hear you. Uh, oh, good to I see you. Wanted, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you so much, Chimigwech. Uh, hearing the stories. You know how I've always wanted to just uh, have you come down and, and share these kinds of stories. I still want to do that. I don't know when, you know, when that will happen or anything. But I, you know, I really appreciate hearing what you have to say. It just lifted my spirits, you know, uh, and, you know, keeping myself on track and, you know, like you said, making those offerings every day, doing, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And at the same time, being here in my house and being in this urban setting and, you know, trying to grow our gardens and trying to, you know, we're trying to do everything like exactly what you're talking about because you know the prophecies in the omaha tribe were uh, very similar they always you know i grew up with that hearing that we were supposed to maintain our ways of life because we were going to be in this time period when we would no longer have uh the kinds of things that we have now like technology would not be the same and we would have to rely on how we did things before so me growing up with those kinds of prophecies, I always felt that. I always felt like, okay, I have to learn these things. How do I learn them? You know, when we have our, you know, so many of our people have gotten away from our old traditions. So 
so that's what I'm, I'm doing my best to dedicate, you know, myself to, to help my own children. And I talk to them that way. I let them know, you know, I said, these are the things you really have to learn. And we want to learn how to hunt, but we're like, well, where are we going to go and hunt, you know? Um, and so that's one thing that's been, uh, we've been discussing. So um, the other is focusing on languages and so forth. But thank you so much. I just really enjoyed everything. I was just sitting here listening and, you know, I could see everything happening. And yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, have a have a really good night. You know, be safe. You know, follow your your cultural your community standards for COVID nineteen. Be yes. safe. And uh, my heart goes out to all of you. You know, and special prayers and blessings to all of you. You know, keep giving, keep sharing. You know, keep helping, and that's how things will get better. So, I thank I thank yous. And, you know, from the bottom of my heart, it was an honor to be here with you tonight. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Isaac. Thank you. See you. See you again. Yes, we'll see you again. Bamapi. Okay, so we're going to put up the uh, information for next week. The registration link is here. It's bit.ly slash three, And we will be featuring a young new woman, Elliot. She's going to do a cooking demo and talk to and how to make cedar. The kids are taking over. Yep. The medicine of the young people. <laughs> Thank so, you all very, very much. Thank you. So we hope that you will join us for next week. We want to say thank you to our sponsor, Ibex Puppetry. And um, yeah, just thank you. Brooke, is there anything else before we end the class? No, just thank everyone for coming and for making this happen. And thank you, Desiree, for just doing what you do. And Isaac, thank you so much. I, I just appreciated this conversation so much. It's something that I agree with Renee on. It needs to happen more and more often. And we need to be able to provide uh, our people these opportunities to just share and share and share and really foster that, foster those seeds, you know, those seeds of hope. And just thank you to everybody here. And, and you know, I look forward to the next one. If you missed today and you want to let people know that you saw it or you want, if you missed it and you want to watch it again, um, we will be restreaming this into the group on Monday with some graphics and things like that around people's names so that you can know who it is and who's talking. And, and with that, we will wrap. I hope everyone has a, a good evening and we will see you next week. Bye, everyone.